0: About BAF, uh, we are a non nonprofit that aims to grow the next generation of uh, blockchain experts. So, we, are, uh, we uh, launch workshops, classes uh, to help students learn about blockchain topics, and we host uh, networking and educational meetups uh, like this one. So, uh, I'm super excited to see you all there to talk about uh, Alchemy and the, the Web3 uh, development uh, ecosystem. So feel free to follow us on Twitter so that you don't miss any uh, any one of our meetups and uh, if you be engaged with us uh, don't hesitate to become a path members uh, you can uh, check it out on our website uh, I think it's blockchainacceleration.org uh, maybe Elan Ondemar do you want to introduce yourself on the, on your role maybe uh, with uh, Alchemy?
1: yeah for sure um, absolutely. I can start. What's up, everyone? My name is Alon. I've been at Alchemy for about a year and a half now. I previously uh, studied computer science and i had worked at Facebook and Instagram as a software engineer uh, and joined Alchemy on the go to market team. I now uh, focus on developer experience at Alchemy. So doing a lot of developer advocacy stuff, um, kind of tutorials, talking to people every day, uh, and generally super excited to, to come talk about Alchemy. And Omar and I went to college together, actually, so we have a little history.
2: It's true. Yeah, we did, we did go to college together, uh, although, I, fun fact, I didn't know her in college. Uh, we didn't meet. I didn't know her super well. I'd seen her around, uh, but I didn't know her until we uh, started working together. Uh, so, yeah, my name's Omar, as you guys can see. Uh, I'm a software engineer here at Alchemy. I've uh, been working a little over a year and a half, uh, mainly on back-end infrastructure things. Um,
0: yeah, super excited to talk to you guys about Alchemy. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. So I'll let Lev take the discussion and ask you some questions. My name is Lev. Uh,
3: I'm a third year at Carnegie Mellon, studying computer engineering and computer science. And yeah, I've been in the blockchain space for not too long, uh, around a year at this point, and have been developing on different platforms using Web3. And yeah, just get
0: this talk going.
3: So yeah, I guess uh, as a general broad overview, in a couple sentences, could you just explain the story behind Alchemy, how it came about, what it does, and why somebody would use it?
1: Yeah, so a little bit of background for people who don't know, Alchemy is a blockchain developer platform. Um, so we power 70% of the top Ethereum applications in this space, and we basically make it a lot easier for developers to build Web3 applications. Um, so similar to how the US helps streamline the development process for Web2 applications, we do the same sort of thing for Web3 applications. Um, I'm happy to talk more about the ins and outs and technical details there um, that people find interesting, but um, generally kind of helping people build and making it easier, that, easier for them to build applications. Um, and Omar actually might have a better insight into how Alchemy actually originated and how like the idea came about um, since he was here in the early, early stages. Uh, but... We basically actually started out as a hedge fund application, I believe, for crypto. Um, I don't know, Omar, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Uh,
2: Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I actually interned at Alchemy about three years ago. Uh, And when I first got here, um, we were actually transitioning into our blockchain developer platform uh, the way we are today. Uh, But before that, as I mentioned, we were actually building our own sort of Web3 app, uh, sort of doing analytics for hedge funds and so on. Um, And now we realized the tooling was pretty difficult to use uh, and there might be, you know, an interesting problem to solve here. Um, As we were developing on the blockchain, we kind of saw, oh, there's some issues with scalability and reliability and consistency. And why has no one solved this? Maybe we should. Um, And so that's where we stepped in. And and here we are three years later in the space.
3: Awesome. How did you come to find those? What were those issues with scalability and consistency? And what was that developer experience like before having something like Alchemy?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So basically what happened was our uh, founders went out and interviewed hundreds of developers that were building Web3 applications and building in the crypto space. And time and time again, everyone said that it was such a big headache to to use these things called nodes. And for those of you who don't know, nodes are basically your communication endpoint with the blockchain. Any requests that you want to make that modify the blockchain or if you want to pull data down and read it, uh, so basically all reads and writes have to go through this thing called a node. And it's basically a piece of software that you run that allows you to communicate with the blockchain. Uh, so time and time again, developers were you know, running into all of these engineering issues and spending a bunch of time maintaining this node infrastructure instead of working on your application. So if you think about it, if I'm building the next OpenSea or the next Web3 version of Uber, I really want to focus on building an incredible application and an incredible user experience. And if I have a limit, if I have limited engineering resources, I want to pour those resources into my app rather than into my like backend infrastructure and maintaining that part of it. So it's sort of like the buy versus build dilemma. And so everyone we talked to in the early stages was like, this is a pain. We don't want to do this. We want to focus on building our applications. Like how can we outsource this sort of like back-end part? And that's really where the idea came about. Um, it turns out there's a reason why this is really, really hard to solve. And that has to do with these scalability, reliability, and data inconsistency issues that happen when you run node infrastructure. And we can talk a little bit more about what how those manifest concretely, but um, you know, the challenges of running node infrastructures were really, really hard. We actually operated in like beta stealth mode for a couple years before launching to the public because we really wanted to solve these problems in the right way and make sure it was a really good experience for our users.
3: Yeah, we can get to the challenges of uh, running node infrastructure soon, but I also think just kind of go off of. So if Alchemy is running nodes, how does Alchemy specifically save development time of money and why would you choose something like Alchemy over other nodes out there?
2: Yeah, so, so that's a good question. Um, you know, half the battle is, I would say less than half the battle actually is just running the nodes. Um, you know, the, like, like Alon mentioned, all reads and writes um, go to the node. Um, and so, you know, you read data from the nodes and you write data to the nodes. Uh, and that data comes in a certain format and you can only ask it certain questions. Um, a question that you might expect to be able to ask it is something like, how much has Omar ever sent Alon?" for example? That's a question that you know, might be obvious that someone might want to ask, um, whether that be an Ethereum or Sushi or Uni or any other ERC-20, ERC-721 or ERC-115 token, um, that's actually not natively available on the node. You have to sort of query and stitch together a bunch of different queries, uh, logs, be it get block by number uh, or by hash, you know, you have to build a lot of, uh, you have to make a lot of queries to the node and that inf- information isn't easily digestible. Um, So we've built a a suite of enhanced APIs, one of which is the transfers API. But there are tons of other examples that sort of abstract away those primitives um, and allow users to really leverage uh, APIs in a way that, you know, they get access to the information that they need uh, quickly. uh, And it's more easily accessible. Uh, A couple other examples are our token balances API. Uh, We're also working on an NFT API, um, which, you know, a couple people are using in beta right now. Um, And there there are tons of other examples of enhanced APIs that we're constantly working on. Uh, Aside from that, we also offer sort of features that the nodes don't natively offer, such as webhooks. So webhook notifications are the way, you know, when you look at your phone and you're you're on Twitter and and you get that little push notification, uh, typically those are powered by something called webhooks. You can just think of it as notifications. And we've also built those on top of the blockchain. So notifications on when your transactions are mined, when they're dropped. Uh, when you know, there's certain activity on a given address, um, and we're constantly looking to build new webhooks uh, for you know, certain developer use cases. Uh, we're building one for NFTs right now, uh, and like I said, we're constantly looking to build new and enhanced features on top of the nodes. So it's, it's a little more than just the nodes. Um, on top of that, we also have sort of, you know, a suite of tools for uh, monitoring and debugging. Uh, so half the battle is reading and writing to the node, and then the other half of the battle is figuring out why did what I read from the node not work and why did what I write to the node not work. Um, and so, you know, we, answer, we have a sort of dashboard where you can kind of dynamically interact with your queries and figure out what are the errors that are coming through? Um, wh- what could I have done differently um, and why might things be going wrong? Um, and that's, uh, and, you know, anyone who's a developer knows this, that debugging is, is more than half the battle. Um, so those are s- some examples of the things that we offer. Alon uh, might have uh, a little bit more uh, to say there.
1: Yeah, I guess one thing I would add here is a lot about these things that we've built on top of our node infrastructure, these sort of enhanced APIs. And he's being humble. He actually built out one of the most like highly demanded and highly used API. This is like frick when he came to Alchemy, he was building out this awesome uh, transaction history API. So definitely check that out. Um, but, you know, one of the challenges that you actually asked about, Lev, was why not, like, what's the difference between our node infrastructure and any other node infrastructure, right? So he built out all these awesome, that's great. There's also other really, really interesting and complex problems that we solved with our node infrastructure that nobody else has really solved. Um, And so to to talk about one specifically, um, there's this idea of data consistency and maintaining state when it comes to node infrastructure. Because blockchain is sort of a distributed system, any given point in time, two nodes might not be aware of the same state of the blockchain. So maybe I hear about a block before another node hears, hears about a block. And that can introduce really, really hard and complex problems for the user, right? Because if they're sending a request to your application and it gets rooted to one node that knows about the block and then another request comes through and it gets rooted to another node that doesn't know about the block, you're serving inconsistent data. So there's this data inconsistency issue that's like really common and really hard to solve for in blockchain systems. Um, And we've built out the level infrastructure that allows, that sort of like diminishes that risk um, and uses this like consensus mechanism on top of the nodes uh, that allows you to get consistent data. And so that's like really like what went into those like two years, one to two years of like putting our heads down and, bu- and putting in the engineering time to actually build out this system that really works.
3: And yeah, from a distributed systems point of view alone, that's, that's a lot to get the consistency, right? That's incredible. Uh, and also just in terms of debugging, um, yeah, the, it definitely has been a lot of hair pulling with the debugging Web3 stuff, so I'm incredibly happy to see some, like, focus on that. Um, I guess along those lines, if you are a developer and looking to integrate these things, you just start right off the bat. How hard is it? How easy is it? Uh, and where kind of does that fit into the development timeline?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so it's super easy to to get to start using Alchemy. You literally just create an account and then Um, You spin up an API endpoint um, actually in that create on that in that uh, account creation flow Um, and this endpoint gives you access to our super node infrastructure, which is basically this infrastructure that Omar and I have been talking about this whole time. So everything we mentioned before you get access to on like the free tier Alchemy account Um, and we have a pretty pretty robust um, free tier so for, for sort of developers who are just kind of learning. Um, or maybe just testing out their application and maybe they haven't launched yet, the free tier should have you more than covered to be able to get started and play around with stuff.
2: And then on top of that, uh, we have some really, really great docs. Alon's also being humble. Uh, her first uh, couple of months here, she, she built out the docs and built out some tutorials um, for people to easily get started developing with Web3. So it kind of walks you through uh, everything from signing up on our platform to deploying your first smart contract, uh, interacting with that smart contract, and so on. Um, so we definitely highly recommend uh, checking out those docs.
3: yeah good documentation is so important and so often lacking um, within especially because so many new projects are new and people are just building so fast Uh, yeah it looks like you guys are doing a lot of incredible stuff so from the infrastructure point of view what are the challenges you run into how are you handling all this consistency Uh, like how does the team work without kind of Bugging out with every Ethereum update or new feature added.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, so that that kind of goes towards uh, you know the question of you know whether you should run your own infrastructure or use someone else for 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 infrastructure. Um, and I think we're starting to see uh, the cognitive load of running multi chain specifically. So running multiple nodes, not just Ethereum, uh, but you know we offer support for Polygon, Matic. Optimism, Arbitrum, uh, Flow, Crypto.org, um, and so that becomes an O of N problem, right? As you constantly add new chains, it's the same thing for every single chain. It's track of those upgrades, making sure uh, that your nodes are up to date, that they yeah. don't have, you know, certain complexities that go on with just managing the node infrastructure. That uh, you know yourself is is a little bit uh, cumbersome, um, and then on top of it, you know, the space is so dynamic in the sense that people are constantly building uh, or upgrades to these node clients. Uh, those upgrades can sometimes be buggy, uh, you know, and so on. And so it's a constant sort of battle uh, to sort of wrangle these nodes and, and make sure that they're, that they're up, up and running. Um, and so that's sort of one of the trade-offs of, you know, building your own infrastructure versus having someone else manage it for you. And so what we've done, uh, you know, a lot of on the infrastructure side is relying on a lot of, you know, best practices for infrastructure as code uh, to sort of make it as easy as possible for us to uh, roll out those upgrades and make sure that our our nodes are tested from end to end, uh, we have a lot of sort of infrastructure around integration testing, uh, reliability testing, uh, scalability testing, load testing, and so on. Um, so that you know, we when we do deploy these changes, we we make sure that there's minimal impact on our users. Um, and if there ever is a breaking change, which sometimes there is, um, you know, we, we definitely notify our users like, hey, you know, this client has decided that they're going to be adding these new fields, uh, for example, with certain EIPs coming out, uh, like EIP 1559. Um, so, you know, you might want to start using this to send transactions uh, and so on. And so, you know, if, as a user of Alchemy, we're constantly uh, alerting you to these uh, possible breaking changes or upgrades that are being uh, made so that you can make the 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 minimum changes necessary to your application to make sure things are up and running uh, while we take care of the sort of nitty-gritty details of all of the different uh upgrades
3: awesome are you guys running your own servers uh it'll be the nation of both
2: yeah that's that's a good question um at the moment uh we're relying on a cloud provider um but yeah that's something that we uh you know, that we're, we're working towards uh, in terms of going multi-cloud, going in a more sort of distributed nature. Um, and that's definitely on our roadmap so that we, you know, aren't pinned to one particular provider and something that we're exploring internally as well.
3: Sure, so just to recap, you guys are basically building out this whole infrastructure on the backend so just the orchestration of all the systems so that it just is each of like one line from the developer to the front end to get all these amazing features.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there's actually a bunch of different layers that go into the infrastructure. Um, so I, uh, Omar knows the terminology better than I do. There's a b- basically a bunch of different types of data stores that we use to different types of data. So like archive roots gets rooted differently than maybe the more recent um, requests and vice versa. Um, and webhooks is, is in a different place than other things as well. Um, so yeah, there's basically this, this entire high level infrastructure. I think there's like a diagram on our website that you can check out um, that kind of walks you through what that infrastructure looks like. And, um, but it, you know, for the user, it's abstracted away to this one API endpoint, And you don't really have to think about any of the routing or any of that stuff.
3: Okay, sure. so I was kind of wondering where Alchemy is itself going in the future, like how's it side on each side, what new chains, uh, and the decision process around all that is like
1: yeah for sure so alchemy actually we really pride ourselves on keeping a super tight customer feedback loop um for those of you guys who aren't in our discord definitely hop in there but we really really value having human-to-human conversations with all of our users and making sure that we hear and implement your feedback so pretty much like our roadmap is defined by user feedback and what we hear from developers about what they want. Um, And so that's a big driver for how we decide what to build next is that we like keep this close tab on the people who are using the platform and the people building in the space. Um, In terms of different chains to support, there's a couple of evaluating factors that we think about when when, um, considering supporting a new chain ecosystem. I think number one, first and foremost, is like, are developers excited about that ecosystem and are they moving towards there? We wanna go where developers need us most as opposed to any other factors. Um, so if developers are really, really excited about that ecosystem and are migrating there. Uh, then that kind of like puts us in the spotlight and um, get, you know, we consider building out in those sorts of ecosystems. Um, and then there's also some evaluation that we do on our end about the chain itself, um, and you know some of the values that that chain has. Do we see it having long term potential, or is it just kind of like a blip and the excitement right now? Um, so there's a bunch of stuff that goes into that, but generally, like the way we decide new stuff is really through our users and through our customers and what they care about.
2: Yeah, and I, I just want to emphasize that point as well. Um, I don't build a new feature without talking to at least you know 10 customers uh, to, to hone out what does the API look like, what what do they want. Uh, what are some of the features that they're excited about. Um, and then, you know, if you guys want to get involved, like Alon said, uh, feel free to reach out on Discord um, if there's a feature that you're particularly excited about that you want to see us build um, and or Twitter. We also have a public-facing roadmap uh, where we have examples of things that people have requested, um, and you can go ahead and upvote them and or suggest, you know, your own features that you'd like to see. Um, and so we we really do prioritize based on, you know, how many upvotes or how many people show interest in, uh, a particular. Um, so one of the biggest features we have interest in right now is our NFT API, which we're uh, hard at work on.
3: Awesome. Incredible. Does the roadmap for Alchemy determine more of feature requests or is there some grander or is there some other point that you are aiming towards? What's the feature look like?
1: Yeah, so I think that we have general missions and principles when it comes to like deciding what we should focus on as a team and as a company. Um, most of the applications and things that are going to go mainstream in Web3 really haven't been built yet. So there's so much potential to like think through this foundational layer. I um, mean, we're in a really, really lucky place where... Our, our product is sort of horizontal. Uh, no matter which vertical is really, really popular in crypto or Web3, we're seeing developers building and there's always new tools and resources that they need when building those applications. Um, so I think, you know, as a company, our mission is really to make crypto, blockchain, Web3 mainstream. We really think this is a powerful technology and we'd love to see like everyone in the world like using these products. The way we see that happening is by empowering developers, enabling them to build applications. Because if you think about it, if there aren't products that users want to use, right? If there aren't attractive products that my grandmother actually really wants to use, then it's not going to go mainstream. But how do you actually build out those products? We have to make it really easy for developers to build them, right? So we're kind of solving this root cause problem of if we want to make blockchain mainstream, have to enable developers to build really easily, And that's kind of our starting point. Um, So there's a lot to unpack there. and There's a lot that goes into it. I think, um, you know, what developers care about is really like where we're driven to most and that can often change. Uh, So I don't know if that gives you a a good answer of, of, you know, it's not just kind of customer feedback. It's also this like broader initiative that we're trying to accomplish.
3: Right, no, that's fantastic. I mean, Web3 is never going to go like, actually having it be usable and decent products is such an important focus that definitely be like ideal or place at the forefront of uh, development. And so I guess along those lines, um, if you are a developer, how long does it take to like use Alchemy? Uh, and kind of what is the, how much time would you say to take using Alchemy versus a more strict, like a, a simpler node service uh, or trying to use all the different server in conjunction, like say you want to get data from the graph, and then you use like, Ethereum push notification services for pushing, so like what's the time to what's the difference there? with the different like? how does that fit in?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so like Alon mentioned, uh, it's really as simple as signing up. Um, you know, just go on the website, put in your, you can do it with your Google uh, auth and or just sign up for an account. Uh, and you're given that URL right away um, and that's pretty much plug and play with any sort of uh, web three library out there um, whether you're using ethers or web three or web three pi or you know any of the other existing libraries. Um, we also have our own uh, library built out called Alchemy Web three uh, which allows you to more easily out of the box um, use some of our enhanced APIs like the transfer as APIs we were talking about um, as well as other sort of enhanced features around uh, WebSockets sockets and, and so on, and durability and reliability around those things. Um, but really, it is as simple as, you know, a couple lines of code, um, depending on exactly what you're trying to build out um, and getting integrated with these libraries. Uh, and, yeah, the documentation, and you know, shows that some of these docs are, are crazy. Alon's been able to get it down to, like, I don't know, maybe five, ten minutes to build a, a, a DAP. Um, I, I was, uh, Albert's on, on the line here, and, and he was, I think someone reached out to him and and they wanted to do a speed contest to see uh, how quickly he could deploy a smart contract. Um, And with our docs, I think he he was able to do it pretty quickly.
3: Awesome. And so, running all this stuff and abstracting it away from developers takes a lot of engineering effort. Uh, And I guess along those lines, I was wondering if decentralizing the backend is something that you guys have thought about. If so, how and why, if not, why not?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I guess taking a step back um, when we were initially coming up with the idea of Alchemy and what we were going to solve in those interviews where we asked developers, like, you know, what's hard for you? What kind of problems can we solve? um, And then what do you care about? We asked hundreds of people about this and really what applications cared about most was that their infrastructure was reliable, scalable and data consistent. Um, And, you know, we asked them, we are like, what about decentralized? Like, would you want your backend infrastructure to be decentralized or is that an important lever for you? They are like, we care more about these things and having our app actually function and work than having it be decentralized immediately. And I think in this space, like decentralization is always the long-term goal. And I don't think we're like ignorant of that. Um, So I think it's definitely something that we'll consider down the line. But right now, really what people care about, really what got OpenSea to be able to scale as much as it did and some of these other applications that use us, are those other factors, and they care less about that decentralization metric than, um, than other things. The other thing I'll say about this is that it's actually interesting. I recently heard this argument, and this is actually from one of our users, and we we're talking about it. He was like, yeah, like I, I wanted to come you got, use you guys because I wanted my app to be more decentralized. And I was like, oh, like what do you mean by that? He was like, well, if I'm controlling my entire stack, right? I built my front end, I wrote my smart contract, and if I'm running my own node, that means that the entire stack of my app is centralized. Whereas if I use guys to outsource my node, then I'm using this agnostic provider and my application stack becomes more decentralized. So this this sort of like a meta outlook that I actually really haven't thought about before, but interesting take of like decentralization is a very subjective, um, it's a very subjective concept. Uh, So it really like depends on the user and depends on what you care about. Um, But yeah, I think that's a super good question.
3: Awesome, yeah. That makes a lot of sense, and I'm right there with you guys. It doesn't make sense to decentralize everything if the thing, if the product itself, is not going to be usable or if it's insanely difficult to build as wow. well. So, if you are a web3 developer, just more in general, uh, like I know I guys said you got started a couple of years ago building a dashboard for venture capital, and you just found the whole web3 experience difficult. So, it's still a little overwhelming. There's a lot going on. Uh, how would you recommend getting started? where would you look what would you
1: do yeah for sure so i mean i, I felt the same way uh, like i said I, I studied computer science all four years of college and did software engineering and then i got to like web 3 development and i was like what the hell i was like what is going on does it make any sense like there's no good resources out there and it just felt really overwhelming and challenging um so you know i would definitely plug our documentation here we have a bunch of tutorials on there Keep that in mind. So we really designed all of our content and all of our tutorials with the with the Web2 developer, even the like no coder in mind to help them get up to speed and understand a lot of this stuff. So I would recommend like the best way to learn, of course, is by like actually getting your hands dirty and building something. And our tutorials will walk you through like not only what, but also how and why. So why, why is this important? What does this mean? How does it work? And really break down all of those steps. And so I definitely recommend it. We have tons of people who have never even coded before in their lives and they come and do our tutorials and like ship their first smart contract or make their first NFT um, and are super, super stoked about it. So would recommend getting your hands dirty if you're interested in building in this space.
2: And then on top of that, um, you know, if, if, you, if you don't quite want to make the step towards, you know, building right away um and and just want to get your feet wet i would definitely start by just playing with existing products out there to get a sense of what can i build like what is possible uh for me to build in the web3 space uh and then you can you know you can play around with with the decentralized exchanges and the uh nft platforms and the you know all the other cool products that exist out there um honestly if you just go to our website and look at our customer list uh some of the customers that we showcase and just play around with those products you'll start to get a sense you know what are some of the things i can build uh maybe where are some of the holes or or, or things that are left to be built and that might give some inspiration um, before you start building.
3: So how would you guys say your experiences from Web2 companies like Facebook transitioned into the Web3 space just in terms of best practices documentation and uh, like for example React has amazing documentation that's something by Facebook.
1: Yeah, sorry, wait, can you can you clarify your question around documentation?
3: Oh, sorry, uh, not just documentation in general, but I was, I was asking okay. like, how does your experience in the Web2 world transition to the Web3 world where it's still a lot more like Wild West, but there's, in the Web2 world, there's a lot of like best practices for engineering.
1: Yeah. A
3: lot based on uh, clean code.
1: Totally, um, yeah. That's a, that's actually a really, really good question. So I think that there's a bunch to talk about here. I think one of the coolest things that I quickly picked up on in the Web3 space is that it's such like a we mentality. It's such like a, oh, you're new, great, let me help you. Or like, great, let me sit and explain this to you and answer these questions. And so like, even though there's like not a ton of good resources, the people who are in this space are so excited about it and so excited about sharing it with, that they're willing to take the time to like teach it to you and talk about it and do these educational stuff and make it easier. Um, So it's really just like this, like everyone here is just like so, so excited about like, the space and so, so excited about talking to people about it. And I don't think like web two, certain web two companies might feel a little bit more jaded. Talk to an employee at a web two company, like they're not like thinking about it 24 seven and talking on the weekends and telling all their friends. Whereas like in web three, it feels like it's very community oriented and everyone kind of helping each other. Um, Omar can speak probably a little bit more about the engineering, engineering wise.
2: Yeah, so in terms of engineering, um, I would say a lot is the same and a lot is different. Um, so, some of the things that are uh, the same, uh, you know, in, in traditional Web 2, we have this idea of a staging environment and a production environment, um, and that also exists in Web 3. Um, so, there's this thing called testnets, um, which you can basically think of as staging, which allow you to sort of deploy your smart contract, play around, uh, make sure you, you know, you, debu- you know, get all the bugs out of your contract before you go um, and deploy it on mainnet. Um, there are also, you know, best practices around... Uh, deployment and management of code. Uh, there are best practices around, uh, you know, retry logic and caching and all these different things uh, that you know transition from the Web two sort of traditional engineering world into the Web three world. Um, some things that that might change uh, depending on, on the things that you build uh, could be the way you know the way that you think about code uh, in the sense that you know. If if something in, in your database uh, gets corrupted, you, you might be able to, you know, in a traditional Web2 world, just go in and, and modify it uh, and say, oh, no, this shouldn't have been like that. I'll, I'll go and change that. Uh, in Web3, it's not so easy to do that. Um, it's a little bit more immutable. Um, and so you have to build build around that mentality um, and make sure that that's really safeguarded. Um, at, at, you know, as you guys, I'm sure you guys are all aware, there, there are these, you know, products that are securing large amounts of value and asset. And so you kind of have to code with a little bit more of defensive mentality. Um, and make sure that your, you know, modules are more well scoped uh, and have limited sort of range of impact. Um, yeah, I would. The, the, that's probably what I would say in general. Um, th- there's also some things around sort of the distributed nature of uh, the Web three ecosystem uh, and the way that plays into, you know, consumed data and so on. Um, but for most users, you know, it's it's not not as big of a headache. Again, depends on on how in depth you want.
3: Sure, and a slightly selfless question: Do you guys have any advice on debugging in the Web three world?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, so, in terms of debugging uh, in the Web three world, I think uh, one of the one of the biggest things that's uh, you know tricky for for some libraries, that certain uh, Web three libraries don't show the actual error message that's going on uh, under the hood, right? So, you know, if you if you're using like Web3. Whatever, um, and you call a certain method on an ABI smart contract or something. Uh, you might just your Sentry error might be like you know uh, couldn't couldn't process this JSON object or whatever other, um, and you might not know where to start. Um, and so, the nice thing about our platform is we show you what call was actually made under the hood and how that might have actually failed. Uh, so it might be like execution reverted or you know not enough gas. Um, and so error messages are, are really helpful here when it comes to uh, debugging what might actually be wrong. And, and we kind of, in our UI, we, we show you all the requests you've made and you can filter by the requests that have errored uh, and kind of get a better sense of, of why things might be erroring. Um, same thing goes for, um, you know, that's sort of for reads. Uh, when it comes to writes, we also have a, a mempool dashboard uh, where you can see your transactions. Uh, you can see if they're mine dropped or pending, uh, if they're pending, you know, look at things like nonce and gas um and kind of compare those and and make sure um things are running smoothly so we we try to provide as much tooling um around getting to the root cause of what uh what might be going wrong um another thing is sort of just as best practices um you know retries exponential off, things like that um can definitely go a a long way in in the web3 world
3: awesome yeah i saw a use case on guys website where it's Taking the debugging time down from like a couple of days to a couple of hours, just or I think was a couple of minutes. That's just incredible. Uh, and then following that, uh, what advice would you have for developers in general entering Web Three space? There's a lot going on, a lot of really cool things happening. But um, in terms of advice for building, advice for keeping some focus, and general tips that you guys might have.
1: Yeah, I I would say. Um... So I think one, like obviously you just getting your hands dirty and like playing around with stuff. Um, two, I think this space is really quickly and there's a lot going on, but it's an important, it's really, really important to remember that it's still so early and most of the products and projects that are out there are going to evolve and aren't quite ready for mainstream audiences yet. So it wouldn't feel like, I know a lot of people come and they're like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm so late. Like it's like everyone's talking about crypto or like, I don't know, it's too late to build. It's like, still so so early like we are just a sliver of the beginning um so really like anything is possible there are so so many things that uh should and will be built and so if you have an idea even if it's already been done before like definitely go for it and like build out a better experience um yeah I would say like don't like you know it's, it's good to keep keep up with the space and like see what's going on but like you should get your hands dirty if you have an idea that you're really passionate about like start building it
2: yeah, and, and on top of that, as Juan mentioned, the this, this space is so big um, and people are doing these things. Uh, the, the thing I would probably ensof- emphasize is finding a community. Um, there are so many Web3 communities out there. Um, find one on our Discord. Um, there are tons of people who are constantly active there from all over the world who are constantly building, you know, giving each other advice and support. Um, and so finding those communities uh, can be really helpful for developers to sort of have people to ask questions to and then share excitement with and enthusiasm with. Um, so I would say, you know, plug into a couple of discords and, um, really find, find those communities that you're excited about um, and passionate about working with. Um, you know, whether it be an NFT project or, you know, a decentralized exchange or maybe even a node client, uh, you know, just pushing the space forward in general. Um, there are so many different discords that I'm in and it's, it's cool to see people constantly active in them. Um, and participating and constantly pushing the ecosystem forward. Um, y- there's, there's always, like, I-, I can't tell you how many channels I'm in that have a beginners, uh, a hashtag beginners section or something like that. Uh, so just find that one, go in there, and, and, and there is no such thing as a dumb question, uh, and, and just, you know, start learning.
3: Awesome, yeah. I found the space to be incredibly wel- uh, welcoming and the communities in this world incredible. Uh, and then finally, I was just wondering if you guys like go over any hiring opportunities or any opportunities at Alchemy that might be coming up.
2: Yeah, of course. We're always hiring uh, across the board. Um, I'll speak to engineering, uh, and then maybe Elon can speak to some of the go-to-market positions we have. Um, but for engineering, uh, we're hiring across the board. Uh, that's front-end, back-end, full-stack. Um, you know, we have slightly more roles for back-end, uh, so we have things for, you know, multi-region infrastructure uh you know data engineering uh sort of all of the back-end things you could think of uh we probably have a position for you devops sre um all, all those jds are out and available at our website i i'll tell it to you as soon as i, I find it i think it's jobs.alchemy.com or something um but i'll, I'll double check while Alon gives the other positions we have up
1: Yeah, I mean, same as, you know, similar to engineering on the go-to-market side, we're hiring all across the board, uh, marketing team, um, sales team, customer support team, all of the above. Um, Yeah, definitely like no no shortage of of job opportunities here.
3: Awesome. So are you guys going to open it up to the floor for questions?
1: Yeah, for For sure. sure.
3: Let's do it
0: yeah i have a question i had a question uh, what is Alchemy's relationship with like ethereum foundation especially since you have like a product like alchemy monitor right you're seeing a lot and you know or uh, like is there like any input you you, like alchemy gives to Ethereum when it comes to like EIPs or something?
1: Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, Yeah, so we, uh, you know, generally work with the Ethereum Foundation um, on like kind of major upgrades and changes. So things like EIP 1559, Um, we, you know, they looped us in on all the updates there to make sure we were like kept up to date. Um, We definitely like Uh, bubble up feedback that we get from users to the ethereum foundation as well um so you know people who have you know feedback about ethereum about building in the space we share that with them um we also kind of just like contribute to to their website and you know put tutorials on there for other people to learn who are going straight to there. Write content for them um but yeah i mean you know just kind of work with them in, in in uh in the ways that we we need to collaborate on
2: yeah, and, and to that end I I think we literally just this week sent out a uh, type form uh for a proposal that they have around archive data uh to some of our customers. Um so, you know, we're we're constantly uh getting feedback from our customers and, and, and relaying that to not just the Ethereum Foundation but, you know, a bunch of the people in the space that we work with. So, you know, the developers of Geth and Aragon and all the other clients, um and, and, you know, the developers at developers at Crypto.org who are building those chains, um, you know, we're constantly relaying, relaying that uh, feedback from our customers so that uh, we can not only improve uh, our infrastructure, but the actual, you know, under, underlying nodes themselves and make sure that those, those are running smoothly for, for our clients. Oh,
0: okay. Um, I guess I had another question. Uh, so you guys were talking about, like, supporting, like, multi-chains and, like, listening to customers on which ones to support but like normally what is like the timeline and how much work does it take to support other like EVM sidechain slash layer tools?
1: Yeah, that's a super good question. So I think that, um, you know, a lot of people assume like, oh, like why can't you just support it right away and like spin up these nodes? So we talked a little bit more, I don't know how long you've been on the, um, on the talk and all, but we talked a little bit before about how we built out this kind of higher level infrastructure to To solve for scalability and reliability and data consistency, um, actually building new nodes and plugging them into that system, just like snap of the fingers, we like plug it in. There's a lot of like work that goes around to make sure that it's you know abiding by those standards that we have for our users, and we take that super seriously. Um, so it's it's not like serious, but it's definitely not like super trivial. I think Omar can talk a little bit more about what the end on the end side, what that takes to implement. But
2: yeah. Um... On the end side, it's definitely something that we're working on. Um, Our objectives are to be able to spin up new chains as quickly as possible. We're putting in as as much infrastructure so that, you know, we can just, you know, plug and play and and plug in those nodes into our infrastructure. Um, Some of the things that makes that difficult, however, uh, as Alain was was alluding to, is that one, uh, sync time. So nodes take a long time to sync uh from scratch and so when we're deciding to support a new node uh sometimes it can take on the order of multiple weeks just to sync the node before we can even start playing with them um and you know there there are certain clients that you know have fast versions that allow you to only see a certain portion of the blockchain but as we mentioned our our developer suite gives you access to archival data for free uh so we're constantly looking for you know supporting chains to the fullest extent possible so we're looking for that archival data and so that's one you know one thing once we get that node up and running it, it takes due diligence to sort of test that node so we have to push the node to its limits and figure out how many of this calls can it handle how many of these calls can it handle uh, how, and that gives us a sense of how much do we need to provision um, so, so that we can have you know fancy algorithms around auto scaling and provisioning more infrastructure um, given the load that we have um, on those nodes and then on top of that um, you know we mentioned that you know, we're a super node. We're more than just nodes. Um, so, you know, as, an, as a team, we're working on reducing the amount of time it takes to spin up a new chain, uh, i.e. just spinning up those nodes, running those nodes, and then giving customers access to those nodes. But as we as we mentioned, we're more than just that. Um, and so, you know, there are certain queries that might not be as optimal to make on the node that we build secondary infrastructure on top of. And so that part of it takes time. It takes time to figure out, A, what are the you know use cases that customers have that we might want to index on and provide secondary infrastructure on top of? What are the queries that are slow and non-performant on these nodes that we might want to build secondary infrastructure on top of? Um, and so that's just a bunch of profiling and benchmarking. Uh, that's the bulk of the work. Spinning up the node is is you know we we have some some great DevOps SRE peeps who have made that. Uh, lightning fast um but you know the due diligence around uh supporting all the other parts of our infrastructure is is what takes time oh interesting
0: i didn't think of it that way okay yeah thanks thanks a lot yeah totally thanks for asking the question
2: yeah
3: uh, anybody else there's a question i like to ask on as well. Um, so you guys service developers? you guys see any development trends within Web3? Yeah,
1: I think we're, we're in a fortunate position where um, people are coming to us at, at all stages of the building process. I think throughout the, the NFTs were just like the hot thing to build. Everybody was building an NFT project and we were hearing a lot of that in our Discord. Uh, I think now uh, a lot of people are getting into DAOs. I think NFTs haven't died down. Just just to clarify, that's still like a very very popular thing to build. Um, but DAOs have become increasingly interesting for developers to to build. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like one one popular thing. Uh, but honestly, like if you just hop, like hung out in our Discord and like were there, you would see like what people are are interested. You can just kind of like pick up on trends there.
2: And then on top of that, just like a a general trend that we're seeing is that a lot of people are getting into the space, uh, regardless of what we're building. Um, Our numbers are sort of up and to the right when it comes to uh, teams that are building on top of us, queries that are coming through us, chain, you know, and that's across the board with all different chains. So people are really, really excited um, and building. And that's a general trend that we're seeing.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, getting more technical. Are you guys load balancing when you're keeping consistency for a node? Are you keeping consistency across multiple nodes, or just scaling up, or having one node handle more requests?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, so at the crux of consistency, um, and you know what makes Web three a little bit more difficult, or running nodes a little bit more difficult, is that load balancers don't quite cut it um so for those of you who aren't familiar with load balancers load balancers are essentially this networking layer that sits on top of servers um and as we mentioned nodes are distributed servers um and those servers uh can have a different view of the world so these servers are constantly getting updated information about the blockchain they're verifying that information and they're writing it to disk and then they're you know saying okay i know this This is the information on my disk so i'll share that with the, with you know whoever's calling me um and so you might have two nodes one of which is fully synced at the head of the chain and let's say that chain is at block 100 and then another node that's falling behind it's struggling maybe it's having networking issues or something or other and that's at block 10 they're literally 90 blocks apart and in a traditional world um you know you can throw a load balancer on top of usually stateless servers and you're fine Um, but in the blockchain these servers are very much stateful Um, and so if you just threw a load balancer on top of it uh, you might run into inconsistency issues. For example, if you ask what is the latest block number and you go to the load balancer, one of them is going to tell you 100 and one of them is going to tell you 10. Um, and so you can clearly see that there's going to be some inconsistency there. Um, and so we've built out um, algorithms on top of that um, to sort of make sure that we have, uh, A, you know, nodes that are quickly syncing as, as quickly as possible, uh, B, make sure that we have... Uh, enough nodes to support enough traffic before we publicize uh, you know, the, the next block. And so um, the, our internal philosophy uh, here as, as a sort of engineering, we want to present a super node. We want to present one view of the world, one node. Um, and so if we say we have 100, we have 100, and we're ready to serve 100 to you at whatever cost, right? Um, and we won't go back on that. Um, and as soon as we say we have 101, we have block 101, and we're ready to serve that for you. Um, and so there's there's some trickiness that goes around uh, that consistency. It's not quite as simple as, as, as slapping a load balancer on top of it. Um, it's making sure that uh, a certain percentage of nodes know about that node, making sure that secondary infrastructure has all the caches, you know, in place necessary, ready to serve that traffic. Um, it's making sure that all the pub subsystems are, are aware of, of that new state change that took place. It's making sure that reorganizations are handled properly. Reorgs are a tricky sort of... Um, Thing in, in in the blockchain kind of allows state to be modified from the past uh, when a newer long uh, is found, um, and so that's all of that is is um, trickiness that we handle on our end so that you you don't have to uh, deal with it as an end user.
3: Awesome, thank you. Any other questions from the audience? All right, I'm going to have to ask one more. If so, does that mean? If you have an update to blockchain which does not get routed through uh, an Alchemy node, that would take longer to see because you have to get into consistency with the Alchemy nodes. Uh,
2: could, do, do you mind repeating the question? You're saying if you if you make a request to an Alchemy node and then or, or an Alchemy endpoint and then make a request to your own node, what could happen? Or no, like if there's an, if you're um, like pulling
3: data from the blockchain and the blockchain state, or if somebody pushes data to the blockchain, not through an alchemy node, but through some other nodes, uh, would it take longer to see it if you are using an alchemy node?
2: I'm talking about uh, propagations of transactions, uh, like rights to the to the chain.
3: Like, just delays, like, if there has to be some sort of consistency guarantee, from Alch- like, is there any delay added by the consistency guarantee? From the consistency?
2: Oh, 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 the trade off between, uh, latency of, of block discovery and uh, consistency yeah, yeah yeah that's a that's a great question um, so yeah that's definitely a trade-off we're cognizant of um, and there are certain parameters that we're constantly looking at tuning and uh, ways in which we've we change our algorithm uh, to make sure that we you know are, are making the, the the biggest trade-offs uh, you know the the it's a, it's a it's a battle for sure right um, like what we could do is say as soon as one node knows about it we're gonna publish it to the rest of the world, right? But we're serving so many queries that we that, that can't work. Uh, there's no possible way that as soon as one node knows about it, uh, we're gonna let everyone hammer that one node. Uh, at, you know, so it's it's a it's a trade-off for sure. Um but working on, on building uh, you know, new viewing the world in a different way and making sure algorithms are are set in such a way. In fact, today we just released a new version of our sort of layered algorithm on top of our nodes um, that reduced block discovery latency by an order of magnitude. Um, I think we'll be sharing that later.
1: The, the other thing I'd like, I'll just add here is, I mean, Omar's completely right. I think this is something that like, we're continuing to improve and work on um, all the time. But like, at the end of the day, like, if you're like a trader and you want the absolute latest block that any node knows about, we're not the right use case for you. Like we're, we're designing our product for like, companies and projects that want to like scale and actually be widely used by users we're not really designing for like arbitrage opportunities and trading as much and so like you know people will come like hey like you know like i'm not seeing it as fast as i want to like i'm not getting the like way to spot whatever it is like i'm like okay what's your use case and understand that a little bit more and then point them in the right the right direction so i think it's obviously like latency is something you want to constantly improve but depending on your use case like alchemy just might not right be the right fit for you
2: That said, however, um, you know, by by nature of us running multiple nodes in multiple different regions, um, you know, those nodes are are constantly gossiping amongst each other, and those nodes are also constantly gossiping amongst other nodes in the network. Uh, And so by virtue of, you know, the distributed nature and and the way we've set up our peering, um, you know, it's likely that we will discover those blocks and and those transactions um, more quickly than you would if you just ran one node, for example. Um, on your own uh, and so there's there's some trade-offs to be made there and to be considered um, you know having by virtue of having you know 10 nodes all over the, the world you're more likely to discover things than if you just had one node say in you know you know i don't know in, in, in california right it, there's that round trip time uh, latency that you have to think about there's all these different factors that go, go into uh, the distributed nature of the system
3: Awesome. And for anybody interested in the algorithm side of things or the more CF side of things, are there white papers or anywhere? Uh, is a place that that can be found?
2: Uh, in terms of the, if yeah, so if you're curious about sort of the, uh, you know, algorithms used for Ethereum, the Ethereum white paper is great. Uh, that's a sense of how the protocol works in general. Um, it's relatively short. I think it's on the order of 14 pages. I read it. Um, it was really helpful in understanding, uh, the way the protocol works. Um, yeah, the, the, in general, there are also some, you know, great books, uh, around distributed systems and, you know, some of the, the race conditions around, around, uh, that, that, that you might find interesting. Um, yeah, in terms of, in terms of some of the things that we use internally, um, I don't think we've, we've shared those, uh you know we have a high level of of, of what we do but i don't think we've, we've shared any of those uh but yeah in terms of the the actual protocols themselves uh would highly recommend uh looking at the ethereum white paper uh to get a sense of, of how consensus works and so on
1: awesome
3: uh any other questions from the audience yeah, incredible yeah thank you guys so much for coming out and having this talk uh i'll Alchemy- come Is an awesome platform. I highly recommend checking it out. And thank you again.
1: Thanks for for hosting.
3: hosting. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, love.